0: Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. Everybody say generosity. Doesn't that word even sound good? It's great. We've covered a month on personal devotion. Which is what a disciple is. It's somebody who is personally devoted to Jesus Christ. Not just a Sunday churchgoer, Not just a religious person who who does the duty thing. But it's it's this devotion that we have. To use that word devoted is so important. We are devoted to Jesus Christ. We are disciples. We are followers of Jesus Christ. So we spent a whole month on that. Then we spent a month on, in fact, five Sundays on connection. Everybody say connection. And connection is so important, who we are connected to, who we're not connected to, how we connect. We're connected to the church, we're connected to God, we're connected to people in all sorts of different ways. Do you remember the spheres that we talked about, the the God space, the exclusive space, the intimate space, the personal space, the social space? Really, really important. And we've been spending the last couple of Sundays on this third aspect of what it means to be a disciple and that is we are people who are generous. You see, for God so loved that he gave. You cannot be a Christian and be stingy. You just can't. It's, it's absolutely the opposite spirit, the opposite mentality. God is a giver, the devil is a, is a stealer, taker. So which one is our life going to emulate? Flow through. We're either going to be givers or we're going to be takers. So we're going to end this. It's only three parts and this could easily have been two or three months, of course, like any of these. So I just want to say some things and just hopefully, and I'm expecting by the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that something will ignite. Something will spark in our life. Something will be fanned into flames. Something will be stirred up today. And it needs the Holy Spirit because whenever you talk about this sort of stuff, the enemy hates it. He hates it. Why? Because he is the God of money. He is the God of money. So when, when you start to, and it's either one or the other. It's either God or it's money. Because the Bible says the love of money, not money, the love of money, put that into context, you love one and hate the other. So if you love God with all your heart, your soul and your strength, then you're not led by money. But if you love money, you will not hear God and you will be led into all sorts of stuff the Bible says, he who desires to be rich. That is not talking about you like some stuff and you like to have something in the bank and you like your three or four houses and your nice cars. It, it, it has to do, because that's all great, that's all fine. It has to do with the direction of your heart. Do you love God or do you love money? If you love money, you are going to be in a world of problems. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Why? Because either you love God or you love money. So if you don't love God, you'll love money. That's where all the mess comes from. So today we're going to be talking about it's harvest time. (laughs) Are we excited about that one? Well, okay. Can we tell our face that we're excited about that one? So I'm going to say that again and we're going to have a bit of faith reaction in this house. Is that okay? Okay. It's harvest time. It's been harvest time since the resurrection. It's been harvest time since the resurrection. So I'm just going to read some scripture to you here um, for us to launch into some of the things we're going to say, some of the things we're going to understand. The light's going to come on because that's what happens, yeah? When you hear... When you store up for yourselves, Do you remember last week, treasures in heaven. What happens? Your whole body is full of light. light. So, as we get hold of this storage thing, as we did last week, then the lights going to turn on yes. and increase because it's already on, actually. So, let's read Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses seven to eleven, and I'm going to read from the Amplified version, uh, which is just a wonderful version. But this I say, Paul says, so if he's saying it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, this is God speaking. For this I say, says God, because this is God speaking. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows in abundance will also reap in abundance with this overflowing thing going on here. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his own heart. Do you remember this from last week? Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it spontaneous, like, yeah, let's do this, giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, which is every favour and earthly blessing, come to you (laughs) in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough, to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) As it is written, he, who's the he? The giver. The giver. This is who we're talking about today. Scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And Almighty God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits, the harvest, the fruits, of your righteousness, your right relationship with God, what it produces, which will be revealed in itself in active goodness. I think we've had enough talk. We need some action. Yes. We need some action. A lot of people saying, yes, amen, sitting on their hands or yes, amen, and not doing anything. But the result of all of this is some action. In active goodness, in active kindness, and active abundance, charitable giving. Thus, you will be enriched in all things. I I love all the all's in this, and the every's, and the whatevers, and the all the time. You will be enriched in all things, in every way, so that you can be generous. Can you see the point of being blessed? So you can be generous and your generosity as it is handled and worked out by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Oh I love that passage. I, I would love to read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. It's all about giving. You can't say and take this out of context That is not talking about money. It absolutely is talking about money. Now we covered in the first week, absolutely, of course, that we give our time, our treasure, and our talents. Yeah? We've talked about giving from the heart, but today I really want to talk about sowing and reaping. I want to talk about this whole thing of it is harvest time. Today we're gonna find out that generosity opens doors. It opens doors. It will cause the blessing to overflow in our lives and produce an incredible harvest of abundance. Our giving triggers the blessing of God. Doesn't earn the blessing of God. It facilitates the blessing of God. It it will release the blessing of God because we're already blessed. Well, I am, and we are also already blessed and highly favoured. We're already blessed, but that doesn't mean to say we sit back and do nothing. We're already healed, but that doesn't mean to say we sit back and do nothing. We're already wise, but that doesn't mean to say we sit back and do nothing. We have all things. We already are filled with the Holy Ghost. So we've got everything we need for life and godliness, but we've got to do some stuff. And where it gets confusing to so many people is they think you do stuff in order to deserve. This has got nothing to do with deserving. This has everything to do with releasing. Yeah. Releasing the blessing of God. You see, God's already healed everybody, but I've still got to lay hands on some people. Yeah. Yes. God has already loved everybody, but we've still got to take captive every thought and get rid of some fear. You yeah. yes. yeah? See, God's done His part, but we've got to trigger The outcome of our inheritance. In short, you see, God operates His whole kingdom with the principle of sowing and reaping. Now, you can call it a law. Scripturally, there are four laws in the Bible the law of faith, the law of freedom, the royal law of love, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus then there's one in the enemy's camp, the law of sin and death. And they are laws. They operate as laws, not legal laws, but principle laws. If you throw something up, it will come down. It is a law. There is a law of love. There is a law of faith. There is a law of uh, freedom. There's a law of the spirit of life. And if you do what the law requires, not the legal law, but the principle, for something to come down, I've got to throw it up. Yeah? Yeah? As we do the principle, we get the outcome of the law. Now you can't say from the Bible it is a law of sowing and reaping, but you can say it's a principle. Because it is a principle. And it's such an important principle. It's the one that the whole kingdom of God operates by. Everything operates by sowing and reaping. Seed in the Bible is spoken to, sorry, spoken of time after time after time. Seed. You can read the parables. So many parables about seed and sowing. Now, yes, you can turn around and say, oh, Jesus was just making it simple because they were all farmers. Well, yeah, you could say that, but you can't just say that. Because whatever God says is not just ah oh, just something, it's truth. So if he says the kingdom of God operates as a man sows seed, then that's how it operates. He wasn't just trying to explain, he was saying that's how it operates. So this seed thing is so vitally, vitally important. The Bible talks about six things are seed in the Bible. Faith is a seed. The Word of God is a seed. The Kingdom of God is a seed. Christians are seed. Jesus Himself was a seed when He died on the cross. We're the harvest. And money is a seed. I could spend an hour on each of those. We're not going to this morning, but it's worth a study. Mark chapter 4. I'm just going to read from verse uh, 20 to 25. I didn't put it up because I've given them so much to put up and I forgot this one. (laughs) So I'm going to just read this from verse 20. This is after the parable of the sower, which is the kingdom of God. There's the pathway, there's the stony ground, there's the thorny ground, and there's the good ground. Okay, Good ground. And it speaks about each of those being attitudes of the heart. Not just attitudes, conditions is a better word, of the heart. So he ends up here on the good ground. These are the ones sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word. Everybody say hear the word. Okay. Those who accept the word. Accept the word. Those who bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard so many people teach that and stop there. God is not a God who ever leaves something ambiguous. Never in Scripture. He didn't say, you know what? Good seed into good ground, some 30, some 60, some 100. End of conversation. You know what? The next question I would want to ask is, why? Why some 30, some 60 and some 100? Why? Because God operates by laws. And if we do the same thing, surely we get the same harvest. Hello? The other reason, sorry, thing I would want to ask is not just why, but so how do I get the hundredfold? See, some people have got this stupid mentality. Ah, thirty-five. Ah, yeah, that'll do me. Not if there's a sixty available. Ah, sixty. That's good enough. Yeah, it's good enough. No, not if there's a hundred available. You see, some people have just got to just get rid of that old thing that's just a poor way of thinking, poverty way of thinking. Oh, just enough, Jesus. Just enough for me and my family. How selfish is that? Whoever said you're supposed to live for you and your family? I thought we were supposed to feed other people and clothe other people and bless other people. If all you're believing for is just you and your your family, oh, that's just enough for us. Oh, Lord. Then that's just the most selfish way to live. That's saying, I don't give a rip about anybody else as long as I'm okay. See, people make religion out of everything. (sighs) Harvest, 30-fold, oh, that's all right. No, it's not. You can do far more with 60-fold than you can with 30. Far more. If you're talking about salvation, I'm not content with 30 people getting saved in the context of this. I know it's not 30 people, you understand. Not if 60 can get saved. I'm not content with 60 if 100 can get saved. I mean, where's the passion in that? So I would be asking why 30, 60, 100? Because God is not haphazard. It's not like, let's just, this is the lucky dip. Let's see what you get today. Have you got good heart? Yeah. You good ground? Yeah. Well, let's see what you get today. Is it going to be 30, 60, 100? not how God works. So he carries on. And he answers the why and he answers the how. (laughs) Are you you ready for this? This is life changing. This will change how we live our lives today. So he carries on and he says, also he carried on saying to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket? What is a lamp? Light. What is light? Rev, rev, revelation. 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 <laughs> I did a whole Sunday about this last week, guys. You've forgotten it all already, haven't you? What is light? Revelation. Revelation. This is why when we're filled with light, we're filled with revelation. It changes everything. Is a lamp brought, put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed when the lamp's on the lampstand. Yes. This is carrying on. How do you get 30, 60, fold? Why are some people only 30 fold believers? Ah, it's just the will of the Lord. No, it's not. There's a lamp under a bed somewhere. They're not seeing, they're not hearing something. Are you getting this? Oh, I can hear the cogs whirring. Got to read things in context. For there isn't anything hidden which will not be revealed. Nor has anything been kept secret that it should not come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, that's Strong's word number 191 for those old school amongst us. Who loves their Strong's Concordance? Okay, the rest of you, are you saved? Are you even in the kingdom? No, no, no just, just a joke, but you've got to get into Strong's Concordances and Young's and Vine's expository dictionaries. Don't just read your Bible. Study the thing. Get into what it's saying. So that's Strong's word number 191. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you know what that word hear means? It doesn't mean hear. It means understand. He who has the ability to Understand, let him understand. Then he said, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Strong's word 191, take heed what you understand. How do we get understanding? By revelation. Revelation. It's all about revelation. You live healed by revelation. You live well by revelation. You live fear-free by revelation. You have a good marriage by revelation. You raise your kids well by revelation. You have a good business by revelation. You have peace in your mind by revelation. Everything's revelation. Everything, because revelation is light, which fills your whole experience. Take heed what you Understand. Now, what is the subject matter here? Understanding. Yeah, Yeah? it's what this whole thing is about. How do I get from 30 to 60, 60 to 100? Well, you get the lamp of God's word in and you get revelation, which gives you understanding. Be careful what you understand for with the same measure of understanding... You use more harvest, will be measured to you. It will be measured. The amount of revelation you have, the amount of understanding you have, determines your harvest. Okay? With the same measure of understanding you use, your harvest will be measured to you. And to you who have understanding, more harvest will be given. For whoever has understanding, to him more harvest will be given. But whoever does not have understanding, even the harvest he has will be Stolen away from him. Then he said, the kingdom of God is as a man scattering seed. So he goes for it again. And we haven't got time about the blade and the corn and the full grain in the head. How do you get out of 30 fold into 60 fold? By revelation, which gives you understanding. And the more understanding you have, the more harvest you get. How'd you get out of 60 fold into a hundred fold? By revelation, which gives you understanding. And the more understanding you have, the more harvest you reap. Ignorance is deadly. Ah, it doesn't matter that we don't really know. I just love Jesus. Yeah, you can love Jesus and be as poor as a church mouse. Because of lack of understanding. Understanding is vital. What you understand determines what you will live in and what harvest you receive. So, can we deal with some understanding today? Can we call it mindsets? Because what you understand determines how you think, your mindset. Your mindset. What are we talking about today? Harvest time. Specifically, money, finances. So let's talk about three mindsets today. Number one, I love this one. Don't even want to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let's all say it together. Poverty mindset. Poverty mindset. Poverty mindset. In short, I I really don't want to spend much time on this one. (laughs) Because it's just, ah. the Bible says don't give yourself to stuff you shouldn't talk about. But we need to understand this. Because if our our understanding is this mindset, (laughs) you won't even have a 30-fold. Even though you're blessed. Even though Jesus is on the throne and you're redeemed from all the curse of the law, yeah. you have this mindset, it'll kill you. What is this mindset? Poverty mindset? In a nutshell, God wants me to suffer and have nothing. I struggle saying that sort of thing. God wants me to suffer and have absolutely nothing. Poverty mindset. You know what? Jesus was poor. Read your Bible. He was a wealthy man. See, people love to paint Jesus as poor. Can I just say, this is, Oh, you can see why I want to do this over months. Um, was Jesus sinless? Yes. Yeah. Any, any question about that one? Oh, we're pretty set that he was perfect, yeah? yeah. Did he walk Upright under the law. Yes, Yes, he did. Under the law, if you did the law, you were blessed. If you sinned, you were cursed. It's absolutely simple. Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, lived under the law, all the way to the cross. Even the cross was the final act of the law. And by the cross, the law is now obsolete. Need to rule it off. I'm not under law now. I'm under grace. Hallelujah. Jesus was under the law. That's why he kept saying, I've got to fulfill. I've got to fulfill the law. I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. And by fulfilling it, he did away with it. So if he was perfect, and if he never sinned, and if he was absolutely obedient to the law, was he blessed or cursed? blessed if he was cursed then God is a covenant breaker where do you find poverty under the blessing or under the curse under the curse absolutely clear if you live upright under the law you'll have gold and silver and blessed in the city blessed in the country you're blessed 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 blessed, blessed. more than enough though everybody will envy your wealth If you sin, you'll be cursed. Jesus didn't sin. He was not cursed. He became the curse on the cross. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when it says, Jesus became poor. Not when he was born of a virgin. When he was nailed to the cross. For 33 years, he was a wealthy man. Had to be because he was blessed. Because he was perfect. If he lived in anything other than the wealth of God as stated in the Bible. Not just, oh, he was wealthy spiritually. No, the, the law doesn't state that. The law states wealthy in silver and gold. Yeah. He had to be because he was blessed, because he was perfect. Yeah. Come on, let the, on see, now. you see a poverty mindset will, will cause you to struggle with that one. Because religion paints Jesus as a poor man. When he was born, he was given gold, frankincense and myrrh. That's a good way to start your life. When he died, they gambled for his clothing. I dare say most of your clothing's going to some old trade shop somewhere. In a black bag. Not Jesus. The guy said, wow, look at this. Man alive. This is a seamless garment. Only royalty wears this. Gambled for his clothes. Even when he got on a donkey, it was a low mileage one owner donkey. <laughs> Brand new donkey, no one's ever ridden on it. Not some old worn out thing. We've got to get rid of, rid of a poverty mentality out of our head. If you see Jesus as poor, you're not even going to be a 30 fold person. Because you think if that's what he is, that's all I am. Jesus had to pay taxes. Let's go fishing and get a fish. Out of the first fish, let's get the coin out. Now, I'd love to spend so much time on this. Poverty mindset is the opposite of God's mindset, which is an abundant mindset. God wants me to be broke, He wants me to suffer. Just have just enough, not even that, God. Live in a shoebox if you want me to. He doesn't want you to. That's as bad as saying, God, if you want me to suffer and be sick, that's that's just what, it's fine. He doesn't want you to. He died to get you out of it. Don't even just wash your mouth out with that stuff, with the Word of God. Seriously, you've got to attack a poverty mindset. Because it'll kill your life and rob your family anyway that's that's a whole message in itself what's the next mindset a sacrifice mindset sacrificial mindset sacrifice mindset <laughs> surely that's a good one cuz it sounds good doesn't it oh lord have you even heard people go oh give sacrificially into this offering Where the heck did you ever get that from? I thought Jesus put an end to all sacrifice. Oh, now I'm going to have people at me now. There is no more sacrifice for the Christian. Except, number one, the sacrifice of praise. Why is that a sacrifice? I don't feel like it. I put my feelings to death and praise God anyway. That's why it's a sacrifice. Sacrifice of praise. And what's the other scripture that is the only one that refers to the believer and sacrifice? We are a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. And that's saying exactly the same thing. It's saying I'm not living for myself. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. There is nowhere in the New Testament that says for you to sacrifice your money. Nowhere. You know what it does say? Uh, okay, the, the whole sacrifice mindset is this, that we can have but not really benefit from it. That there's loss all over the place. When you give, oh, you know why you sow in tears? Oh God, you know, you have these people stand up, give till it hurts. I know the Bible says, give till you're joyful. For God loves a hurting giver. Is that what he says? No. If you're giving and it's painful, you're sacrificing. You're seeing it as loss. Hello? You're seeing it as loss. It's this loss thing. It's this... Sacrifice thing. No joy. And it keeps you in the place of needing miracles. Keeps you in the place because your things are going through, but you're never reaping a harvest. Third one. A sowing seed mindset. Is that a good one? You better believe that's a good one. That, that's the only good one there. Now, you have a lot of questions, and I, I'm going for this today. Is that okay? I'm, I'm going for this, and I'm hitting some mindsets. Ah, oh, you know what? We don't give to get. Well, okay. I don't like that expression. I prefer to use some scriptural expressions. So let's not even talk about give to get. Let's talk about sow to reap. Let's talk about what the Bible actually says. If you ever went up to a farmer and says, oh, you know what farmers, you don't sow to reap anything. They'd go, I'm changing business. What's the point of being a farmer? The whole point of being a farmer is to farm something. The whole point of being a farmer is not because, oh, uh, I'm going ahead of myself. Sorry, let me just wind all that back. Sow to reap is the same, you know, give to get, I don't like the expression. I'm happy to say, yeah, I give to get, but it's not an expression I'd use. The expression I'd use is sow to reap. Sow in order to reap, because it's the same thing, but it's, Its focus is on faith and not greed. Yeah? And greed is a nasty, horrible thing. The poorest people can be greedy. So can the richest people. Your state has nothing to do with the attitude of of your greed or your pride or your humility or whatever. So let's just go through some things about this sowing seed mindset. Uh, you know, this whole first thing is do we sow to reap? Yes, we do. Absolutely we do, and we'll come back to that. What's another statement I can make? Increase is natural. Increase is natural, it's a natural phenomena. If you have a tree, let's say you plant a tree in a field, let's call it an acorn tree. You plant a tree, it grows up, how many years? I don't know, five years, 10 years? It grows up, loads of acorns in the tree. And in autumn time, what happens to the acorns? They all drop down. Let's say there's a 1,000 acorns which fall out the tree. Yeah, let's just say. How many trees do we have growing the next year? Do we have a 1,000? No. How many do you have? Well, I don't know. Depends how many take root. Depends how many the birds have eaten and the squirrels take. Depends what happens. Depends on the weather. Depends on if it's rained or not. So many things. But there will be increase. You might have another one tree. You might have another 20 trees. Who knows? Increase is natural. It happens by itself. You don't need human intervention. But when God made man, he said, be fruitful, multiply. And then he gave him something. You know, the only thing God gave man, the only thing, seed. On the day he created him, he said, I've given you every herb bearing seed. I've given you seed. See, increase is natural, but harvest is as a direct result of man's authority and intervention. Why do some people just increase and other people multiply? Why are some people 30, 60, 100? Understanding has to do with authority and intervention. Let's take that same tree. 1,000 acorns all fall down. If I went up there and picked up every one of those 1,000 acorns and put them in a pot and made sure they were fertilized and watered, how many trees would I have next year? 1,001 trees. Are you with me? See, this is mindset stuff. Are we just, oh, just whatever increase, isn't it wonderful? And God's blessing me or whatever. Are we, okay, I'm going to take my seed and I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to plant my seed. Seed is faith, kingdom, Jesus, the Christians, money, and the Word of God. You can apply this to every type of seed in the Bible. You want to see your faith increase? Plant it. Not just, oh, perhaps next year I'll have some more faith. No, start to put it to work out there. Plant it. Put it in a pot, pour on some water, and grow some more. It's gone so quiet in this place. Is this okay? Is this is this all right? Okay. What's another thing of this sowing seed mindset? No farmer, because the soil. No farmer sow seed, because the soil needs seed. Oh man! No farmer puts seed. In the soil because he loves the soil. (laughs) You know, a farmer goes out there, oh, I just love this soil. (laughs) Have an acorn. No? Now, obviously, farmers love their environment. But the purpose of putting a seed in the soil is not because the soil needs the seed. See, so many Christians, they run their giving life around need. Where's the need? Ah, oh, pastor tells me the biggest, you know, the need paints it big enough, I'll give towards that need. That person doesn't have any need. I'm not giving to them. They've got more than I have. It's not about need, it's not about, it's not about we feel sorry for the soil. Oh, what do you need? Oh, I really feel sorry for you. Perhaps you need another acorn. It's not because they love the soil. Okay, what, what, what's another one? I'll get into what they do do in a minute. Farmers are not pot plant owners. What do I mean by that? You know, Sharon's got plants all over the place. Pots all over, just pots. And we got a garden where we trim trees. She she does it all, does the trees and whatever else. But she's not a farmer. A farmer is not just I like the look of wheat. Or I like the look of the tree or the flower. A farmer is I'm working my butt off for autumn. I'm not doing this to have a nice flower. I'm not doing this to have a pretty tree. Yeah. That's a gardener. Yeah. It's not a farmer. Yeah. See, some people in the kingdom with their money are gardeners. Mm. <whistles> but the Bible says we're to be farmers. The sower sows the word. So God gives seed to the sower. Directly talk, we read the scripture earlier, directly talking about money in a, in a giving situation. He gives seed to the financial sower, not to the gardener. Have a little bit of money and grow a nice tree. No, have a, have a bit of money and produce a 100 more next year. Yeah. You can do more with the 100 next year than with a pretty tree this year. Yes. Uh-huh. It's mindsets. These are mindsets. Are we, a, are we a poor thinker? Are we a sacrifice thinker? Or are we a seed sowing thinker? Yeah. Seed sowing. Not just in finance, in everything. My time, my words are seed. My life is a seed, my faith is a seed. I'm going to work, I'm going to be a farmer in every area of seed sowing that the Bible talks about. I'm going to sow faith and reap more. I'm going to sow love and reap more. I'm going to sow joy and reap more not not just haphazardly, on purpose. On purpose. I'm going to sow the word of God and see people come to Christ. On purpose. Come on, Come on, Farmer, not pot plant owner. Farmers live to sow. Yeah. I could say this: farmers have vision. Farmers have vision. They don't see a brown field, they see a harvest full golden wheat it's why they put it in the ground they're not crying when they put it in the ground they're rejoicing because they know in six months time we're growing something here farmers have a dream, have a vision farmers work hard at sowing and reaping farmers prioritise Again, uh, you know, I'm just going there and I haven't got time. We've got to close. Your wages are your seed bag. You've earned what you have. You've earned it. What you do with what you earn determines what you reap. What you do with what you earn earn determines what you reap. That's why stewardship is so vitally important. Every farmer, when they have a harvest, will eat some, they will store some, they will sell some, and they will sow some. If things are tough, will they eat more or less? Less. Why? Because they don't want to compromise what they put in the ground. Because it's all about what are we going to grow for next year. If I'm hungry, if I eat all my harvest and only put in one seed, next year is going to be worse than this year. They prioritise their vision in order to produce a bigger and better harvest. Do you remember we read that verse that says this? God will make all grace abound towards you, that you in all things, have in all things, in all things, in all ways, in everything, in more than enough, and no outside aid or support furnished in abundance so we can be generous. Yeah. Yes. In order that we can be generous. Why? Because in order to be generous we sow and then next year is well, all grace abound. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, just as we close. two questions, One question. How do we sow? How do we sow? Well, we're blessed to be a blessing. Of course, we sow to meet needs. In, even in that passage he's given... He gives to the poor. So many scriptural promises about giving to the poor. The Bible says, He who sows and gives to the poor will be healed on their sickbed. Man, my faith is with that one. Yes. Honestly, this is, you want to know how Melfi lives? This is how, people ask me all the time, what are you, what are you doing this year? If I'm sick, by stripes I was healed. If I'm sick, I will go and give to the poor. Why? Because the promise of God says, so give to the poor, you'll be healed. Well, praise God, I'll do everything I can to get rid of this sickness. Hello? Oh, it's just a Bible verse. Well, if if that's how you want to treat it, it's just a Bible verse. But I've found that it's a promise. And if it's a promise, then I'm going to act on the promise. When I'm suffering with something, I will go and give on purpose to somebody who is struggling. Are you with me? You see, this is, what, this is what sort of differentiates the 30, 60, 100 fold. Yeah. Understanding, mindsets. Do we do what the Word says or do we just, oh God, what else? Oh, I know I sound pretty, I don't know if I'm sounding aggressive today, but it's just, I am so passionate about this. There are too many poor Christians. It is not the will of God for people to be struggling in their health in their marriage, in their finances, in their business. Now, I know we go through the valleys and I know we go through fires, but uh, but that's seasons, yeah. Yeah. not life. Yeah. Yeah. Not life. If you think this is my life, it's a poverty mindset. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to struggle for the rest of my life. Oh man, come on. Cast down that imagination. Yes. Cast it down. So of course we sow to meet needs. But that's where most Christians stop. Their generosity is to the poor. And that's where they stop. And you can always test someone's attitude in their heart. Can you give to a wealthy person? If you can't, it's a sacrifice mindset. It's not a seed sowing mindset. I thought where you sow is really important. Now, you don't give to someone who's rich to impress them. Yeah. And you don't become a manipulative con of a Christian. You know, if someone comes up to me and says, oh, Pastor Jay, will you pray for me? I need a new pair of shoes. Like yours, actually. I really like yours. <laughs> will you pray for me? Will you pray for me that I get a pair of shoes like yours? <laughs> you laugh. It's happened. It happens. Religious cons. This is where the right hand, the left hand don't need to know what's going on. People quote that verse about all sorts of stuff. Ah, oh, that means you don't tell the church, you smuggle it in. Would you do gift aid? Oh no, I'm not gonna oh, I'm not gonna say what I give, I'm gonna keep it completely, completely confidential. Well, that's no help whatsoever. That's just pride, actually. It's pride. We're family. Hello? The right hand left hand thing is to do with getting accolade. It's not what we're talking about. Don't be a religious con, oh pastor Jay or whoever. I'm just I have to use myself as an example. You know, oh will you believe God, you know, things are so tough pastor Jay, will you? Oh, things are really really tough and really and I know you're so blessed and you don't know what I am. Ah, oh, will you look? Since when do we judge anything by what we look like? Really important. Yes, we sow to meet needs. But people gave to Jesus and he had everything. The Bible says Luke chapter 8, he was financed by Herod's household. I need to read your Bible. <laughs> I wonder where he got the royal robes from. Just a thought. We sow towards a harvest. What do I mean by that? Somebody else's vision. I've got so many examples of this. If I was believing God for a building, I'd sow towards somebody else's building on purpose to reap my own. You with me? If I am believing God for a car, I will either give away the one we have or I will sow towards somebody else's car. I was listening to somebody the other day. they would given away over 150 cars. Over 150 cars. It's just something they just love to do. New ones. Over 150 cars. And he says, it's embarrassing the cars that come back to me. Just keep giving them away. I wouldn't mind being embarrassed but <laughs> sometimes oh man we sow towards a harvest that we're believing God for are you with me? You, okay I mean I'm going to throw this out there you want a good marriage? and you're struggling in that area? find someone who's got one and just bless them even if you tell them or not you with me? Come on, there's grace there for that. There's grace. So I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm believing God. Somebody's, somebody's got a breakthrough in, their, in an area of their life. I'm going to sow towards that. Because you can partner with the grace. You can see why I could do a month on this stuff. There's so much in here. You sow towards the gospel. Absolutely you do. Church dreams and visions and evangelists and whatever else, so towards the gospel, cross over that line of I can't afford. A farmer would never say, I can't afford to put seed in the ground, I won't eat to put seed in the ground. Seed in the ground is what it's all about because that determines what I'm reaping next year, and if I can get this thing on the increase. On purpose, if I can get those thousand acorns and put them in. If I eat them because I'm hungry, uh-uh-uh, because next year I've got a thousand with a hundred thousand in each. You understand the principle? Wow. Hope you're getting something out of this. How do we give towards the gospel? Tithes, offerings, giving to the poor, giving to your family, giving to vision, giving in praise and prayer. Wow, 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 wow. And to close with, and you need to stand up, real, so I'll just won't shut up. The grace of giving. There is a grace for giving. There is a grace for giving and you need to step into it. And it's in the context of finances. Read to, I'm going to encourage us all to read the whole of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. He was made poor that you and I can be made rich. Talking about finances. That's talking about a financial scripture. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Give. According to your ability, and even beyond your ability, that's the grace of giving. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Because when I'm in the grace of giving, I'm in the grace of harvest, the harvest of grace. I've got it up there. The grace of giving reaps the harvest of grace. Wow. What is the grace of giving? In in that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, it says there's the grace of speaking, the grace of faith. All sorts of graces in there. I can't remember them all. The grace of spirit, there's an amazing thing. And it says you want to abound in all of those. You want to abound in the grace of faith. Anybody else want to abound in the grace of faith? Oh man, faith is awesome. I want to abound in that. Abound in the, in the grace of speech. Speaking a thing and it comes to pass. Yes. Words that are spirit and of life. It's God speaking. This is the grace of this. It's God working through in our faith, in our speech, in our... I can't remember the others. I haven't got the scripture down. Amazing passage. And it says, Make sure that you abound in the grace of financial giving as well. Because that's the one people don't want. Why? Because they're a sacrificial giver. Give not expecting anything back. No farmer puts his seed in the field and sets light to it. He puts it in the ground to grow some more. Did you get anything out of that today? Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, You are a seed sowing God and you even said to us, God will not be mocked, whatever a man sows he will reap and that was talking about sowing financially to a ministry. Lord we want to take this in the balance and in the context of every part of our lives. That faith is a seed and kingdom is a seed and your word is a seed. But just as much as all those are a seed, Jesus yourself and Christians. You clearly say and teach and reveal in your word that finances are a seed. And Father right now we want to take our abundance, our wealth. And declare it seed in Jesus name. What's it going to do? Is it just going to sit there or is it going to? produce a harvest. We eat some, of course. We save some, of course. We sell some, of course. But we sow some. In fact, the highest priority has got to be to sow, because that's what produces next year's harvest. And Father God, we thank You for the grace of giving. Thank You, Lord, that 30, 60, 100 fold is determined by what we understand. For he who has more understanding, more harvest will be given. And he who doesn't have understanding in these things, even the harvest he has will be stolen away from him. So Father God, today we pray that the light will turn on big time for each of us individually as a church. Lord God, that we would live to sow in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Can we give God some praise today? Is that all right? (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful.